Hey, welcome into the Coach Bo Knows Podcast here on the Studio Soapbox Network. I'm Coach Bo, Brian O'Connor. We're recorded live at the O'Connor Advisory Group Studios. Check out all things O'Connor Advisory Group at OAGKS.com. You can always interact with the show on Twitter. Our handle is at Coach Bo Knows Show. Check out the Facebook page. Just search for Coach Bo Knows Show. You'll see it there. And you can email us at Show at gmail.com. This is episode 70. And after a couple of weeks off, we are back. This is our first episode of the new year. And coming in, we're going to review and preview the NFL. And of course, we couldn't do it without our NFL insider, our great guy. Ladies, if you're in the greater Denver area, place out some Pilots Pro V1 golf balls. He will magically appear. He's a man of style, sophistication, and still remains undefeated against home pregnancy tests with a record of 53-0-2. He's the real reason Sierra moved to Denver. Check out his book, available now on Amazon, Russ May Cook, But I Can Eat. His mother named him Ricardo, but around here we call him Uncle Rico. My main man, Ricardo Gerbellini. Ricardo, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Man, so it's the we're recording this on this is what Wednesday night, so this is late for us. This is Wednesday, yeah. We waited for obviously wanted all the NFL stuff to happen. We wanted to see what happened with with you know the quote unquote Black Monday coaches getting fired. Oof. We're gonna talk about that as well, and then it's just been a crazy couple of days. So we're we're getting in here now. So just before we get too far. Let the, let the folks know what we're doing. You and I will have this out on Thursday. Ellen and I will record the point five on Friday. It's going to come out on Saturday. And at some point in the next week, I'm going to record a special short podcast on the whole Vince McMahon WWE selling thing. <laughs> I'm working on getting somebody to come in with me on that. And we're going to talk about it because I don't know if you saw my Twitter, the Coach Bono's Twitter last night. But when the announcement came out, I put out 10 separate questions on that. I have a ton of questions. But let's get into it in the NFL. First off, how are you doing? How was your holiday? Your holiday's good? Holidays were good. It's it's getting more snow than I thought we would get at this time of the year. But uh, holidays were good. Uh, Visited some family. uh, Enjoyed a new New Year's. And uh, looking forward to talking football. It's been a bit. You know, it's been a hot minute since we talked football. I'm looking forward to it. It's been over two weeks. It's been almost three weeks we've done this. So so much has happened. The first thing, the big thing that happened first after we last recorded was DeMar Hamlin and what all happened there. And I got to tell you, you and I were texting when all that happened. We were both watching the game. And your insight, because of some experience you have and and your your father being being a surgeon and everything, you knew quite a bit about this. and. I was happy you told me a lot of the things you told me because then I was able to understand it better. Um, so the insight you had ended up being great. So I want to thank you for that, first off. And secondly, uh-huh. I don't know if you saw the big news. We're recording this Wednesday. DeMar Hamlin's gone home. Yeah, he was discharged, I believe, this morning, and he's yeah. back in Buffalo now, which is good news. This is all great news. Um, but, yeah, I actually was watching that game on the couch with my dad. And we, we even went back. It was like, how did that hit this? And I was like, no, 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 it's his shoulder. And he's like, it wasn't a spear. It wasn't a crown of the helmet, all of these things. And he's walking me through, you know, basically like ER procedures, you know, if this or this, you know, what this means. And he started, t- you know, he's 
telling me a lot about that. A lot of insight that, you know, they're not talking about on TV as far as just strictly the medical process around it, um, which is eye-opening as to uh, what they were doing, what he were doing in the hospital, the kind of progressions he would need to make, the evaluations they would need to make, and uh, how his not it's not just brain, but it's other internal organs as well that are affected by the lack of oxygen and where his health, his lungs, his kidneys, all you know, in addition to the brain, all get affected by what was going on. Yeah. I mean, the info that you, I mean, obviously your dad was there and your dad, your dad knew all about it. So it was great to get that info from you. Cause I was sitting there going, okay. Cause for the life of me, I couldn't figure out how it happened because when the hit happened, the collision, if you will, the Marhead would pop right back up and it was a clean hit. Yeah. The contact yeah. between he and T-, T Higgins there was clean. There was nothing wrong. He was like, that seems safe. I mean, as safe as an NFL tackle can be. But then when he fell right back down, it was, you know, all I could think of is he had to have some kind of pre-existing condition that no one knew about. He probably didn't even know about. And then in talking to you about it, it made me feel a little better. It was pretty clear that at least the protocols the NFL has on the sidelines, those, the, the training staff from Buffalo saved that man's life. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. There's no question in my mind that if they hadn't reacted as quickly as they could and as with the expertise that they had, he was going to, that would have been him on the field end right there. That would have been, it needed immediate attention. Um, The thing that jumped to mind when I was talking to my dad was he actually described a similar situation that happened in a soccer match. Yeah. Uh, This was a few years ago. And there was a, a player who basically did this thing, collapsed on the field with no one around him. He just keeled over. Um, and they had to resuscitate him on the field, get him to the hospital. And, they would, they, and I'm not saying this is what happened at DeMar. And, and, and we'll find out more later, I'm sure. Um, but for the soccer player, what they found was that he had an undiagnosed arrhythmia that was affecting him and that affected him in that moment. Um, I don't think that's what happened with Lamar. I think that, you know, and again, no medical specialty, but to me, that contact of the shoulder into the, the breastplate of the chest probably caused a little bounce in his heartbeat, and that probably caused what happened. So he popped right up. He wouldn't have known until seconds later when the rest of his body's not pumping blood anymore, he falls over. Um, that's why when I was watching it, and I saw the faces on the players, because you saw that immediate response by the training staff getting on. And you could tell there was something different going on. Yes. And you could see on the faces of the other players. It wasn't like, oh, what's going on? It was, oh, my God, what, what's happening to this play, you know, to my teammate, to the player on the other side of the ball. Um, that what they were doing, they recognized immediately, and it was not a, a normal injury. No. I, I, gotta, I mean, I give a ton of credit to the Buffalo Bills training staff. And then the other piece about it that I thought was interesting, I thought Tyler Jones about this in his podcast last week, was – ESPN handled it perfectly. You know, yeah, they as best as they could, yes. could. I don't think you could have handled it any better than ESPN did in that coverage. Um, they should get some very big kudos around because what we almost saw was someone die on television. I mean, that, that can't yeah. be overstated. We saw someone almost die live on television. And they go to the commercial for the stoppage of play. 
They come back after two minutes and they said, well, the, 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 they're on the field. The, the ambulance is now on the field. They're still working. They go back out for two more minutes on the commercials. They're in two-minute balls. When they came back the third time and the ambulance is still on the field, I knew something was up. I think we all did. And I thought that how they handle it, I thought how Joe Buck handled it on the play-by-play and Troy Aikman was, was excellent. And then when they cut back to Susie Culver with Booger McFarlane and um, um, Adam Schefter. Oh, I'm drawing Blake. And, I, and I'm a yeah. critic yeah. of Adam Schefter. We all know this. I think the three of them handled that with class, with dignity, and I think they all handled it extremely well. I was then, you know, it, it once we saw the what was going on, you see the players in the field, they were not going to play that game. I mean, those players had every right to say, we're not playing. And it was pretty clear when you saw Josh Allen's face, when you saw the Bills' face, even the faces of the Bengals, you know, the opposing oh, team yeah. going, yeah. this is serious. You can't ask those players to go back out and play that game at that, that night. But the NFL made the right decision. I know they got a lot of grief for the time it took them to make the decision. But I think that what it was, was there was a combination of getting the, the right information, making an educated decision, and then trying to have some kind of a plan of what to do moving forward. You know, I think that was a lot of that. It didn't work out that way. They ended up just saying, we're going to do it. We'll figure out the rest later. But I don't think that that was something that the NFL should take a whole lot of uh, a lot of blame for. I thought that in the end they did the right thing. I think that I've also got to say I was really impressed with just everybody. I mean, the Bengals fans, the Bills fans that were there. There was no. I mean, everyone was saying and there was like the we've seen these videos since of like one of the one of the fans leading a, an entire section in a prayer. And yeah. I mean, just these things. And then we've seen the class in which everyone's handled this. You know, obviously, if people, most people know now about Demar Hamlin's um, uh, charity, like the last time I looked, <laughs> yeah. it was over eight million, maybe close to nine million dollars. I know my wife and I gave that night. We gave us ten bucks each. But I mean, just to see those things, I'll tell you what it did for me. It restored some of my basic faith in people. Yeah, it it does that. I think there's a there's you could see an immediate turn away from football and towards just being human and being compassionate and understanding of the situation. I think that's what you saw across the board. If you were a sports fan, if you've ever watched sports uh, in any any sport arena that you want, any sport that you're you're thinking of, this is one of those times where you know that sportsmanship counts for compassion. Yeah. And I think that's what we saw across not just football, but all sports. Yeah. Well, we saw it with Buffalo Sabres. We saw it with every sport. Everybody's wearing three and you know the guy's jersey becomes the best-selling jersey on Fanatics. I loved what Fanatics, um, the NFL PA and the NFL did about the sales of the jersey. All Proceeds of the DeMar Hamlin jersey are going to be donated to 
Damar Hamlin's charity as well. So mm-hmm. I, it made me feel a little better about society. We've been, you know, and you know this, we talked a little bit about this. The last few years, we've become very separated. And with COVID and political stuff and everything else, we've become very divided and we've become, you're either with us or against us. It was nice to see a situation where everyone was united and that anybody, I'll say Skip Bayless is the example here, uh, who was going to be heartless about this, immediately got taken down. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's, I do think some of what it's, Skip it's Bayless It's one of those said, where it's a, it's a base common denominator. It's, it's about yeah. life. It's about survival. Mm-hmm. And I think that takes us to a, a route that everyone can relate to. Yeah. I think the other thing that's cool about it, and I know that this was something that, like, I've heard people get upset about this, and and I don't, and I've kind of swayed my opinion over time about this as well. I think especially in football. Um, you know, we see a lot of players on opposing sides are friendly. You know, they dap each mm-hmm. other up, they love each other, and it's because they're all professionals. Hey, we don't want anybody to come out here and get hurt. Because we're all out here supporting our families. We have a really unique opportunity to do something for not just us, but for generations of our families in some cases. And to see the injury piece, you see a lot of support across that. I know, for instance, in the past, I've, and I want to hear your take on this. In the past, I've gotten upset as a, as a fan. I wear my Red Sox jacket right now. I don't like the Yankees. But there are Red Sox and Yankees who actually like each other. And that's I used to be, no, you hate your, you got to hate the other people. And now I'm getting a little softer on that. And I've seen, I saw that with DeMar Hamlin across the board. Everyone said, hey, our prayers are with him. Because this could have happened to any of us. It could have happened to the biggest name. It could have happened to Patrick Mahomes. And it could have happened to the last guy on the practice squad. And I think everyone acknowledges that. And I think that. That's a big deal. And I just, that's what kind of restored my faith in humanity a little bit in this case. So for that, thank you, Damar Hamlin. And God bless. But what are, what are your thoughts about the, you know, how these pros have come together and they've done these things? I think you can see that there's a, an inherent rivalry aspect to sports, regardless of what uh, sport you're actually playing. Yeah. I think you see that in the NFL where there, you know, you'll align against the teams. Like generally speaking, if you're not a Dallas fan, you don't really like Dallas. Does yes. that mean that I want anything to happen to any of the Dallas players? No, I don't want any injury to them. But if you're asking me, do I think they deserve kudos or will I put them above this person or that one? I will bias against Dallas for many things um, for whatever reason, whether it's I, I'm sick of Jerry Jones or I, I think that, you know, CeeDee Lamb's over, whatever it is. You're going to do that. But at the end, you know, at the base of it all, you know, these are all professional athletes. They work really hard at what they do. We, you know, tear them apart, but we're tearing them apart at the top of the game, you know, at the top levels of this game. But when it becomes, when it's off the field, when it's an issue that's not about what's the rule here or what's the call or what's the procedure, we're all just people in that regard. You know, this is one of those situations where you show yourself to be, it's not about the team. It's not about the organization. It's about caring and being 
you know, compassionate for another person or another group. Um, you know, you think the same way uh, of when Buffalo got snowed out and they couldn't even play in their own arena. You know, that's not their fault. That's not something I hate Buffalo for. You know, that's just, it's part of the situation. So you try to accommodate the people involved and recognize that, uh, you know, Buffalo as a city was buried by snow. It's not really a Bills thing. Uh, you can say the same thing about California right now and all of the flooding they're going through. That's not a team thing. That's, a, that's not even a state thing. It's a people thing. And, and I, when you see these kind of things, I think it touches everyone at a root level. And I, and, I'm, and I agree with you. It restores some of my faith in humanity when you start to see people join together commonly to fight against just bad situations that aren't really anyone's fault. Yeah. I think what it, and I think you said it beautifully there. I, I was thinking about this as you said this. And um, I think what we're seeing now is that now we don't boo the opponent. Like it used to be when like, if you were a fan of the Kansas city chiefs and Denver's coming into town and Neil Smith or Derek Thomas took out your quarterback, you would cheer yeah. when the quarterback walked off the field or was taken off the field. You don't see that anymore. We've become empathetic more. And I think this is further proof of that. And I think that, I think that's a good thing, not a bad thing. I think the, the, the coach Bo 20 years ago, would have thought that was a bad thing. Yeah, it would have been different, you know, in a generation pre us. Yeah. The the attitudes were different. You know, and and you see this in in, you know, you see it, you hear about it more in like teams like like international soccer, mm -hmm. where you have to provide a pretty wide divide between varying fan bases because it can get violent in the stands. They do get passionate about this in a way that is even more than what we do for football or basketball here. Um, but I think there is a common denominator beyond that, which I think we saw over the last, you know, in the DeMar Hamlin situation. I think we see that uh, more and more today in the understanding that this is a profession. We treat it like a game. We treat it like our, our fan base are in, in a sport. But it is a profession. These guys do get paid for this job. And at the end of the day, you, you know, you're on one team. And I think there's something about that also today where players trade teams more often than they used to. You know, they don't look to spend the next 20 years with a team. They might be there for three or four, and then they move to another division or another team, and they kind of hop around for, you know, their contracts. You know, OBJ comes to mind. Um, Aaron Don you know, Von Miller comes to mind. You don't know who you're going to be playing with next year or where you're going to be. What team, you know, you may not go to one other team, but you're going to get players from another team that are now joining yours. Yeah. So there's, a, there's an understanding here where just because you're on opposite sides of the field doesn't make you all that different in today's game. Yeah, that's well put. I want to leave, that, I want to leave it there on that. Hey, uh, before we get to the on-the-field stuff, i got to talk about one of our great sponsors, the sponsor that brings you on every week, and that's really? Stitch Fix. So it's 2023. It's a new year. We're all going through the new year, new me stuff. You know, I'm trying to lose weight. I'm trying to do some things. I was just got my new stitch fix in two nights ago and I came home and there was my box and I opened it up and it's kind of cool at our house. Cause I got P money at the house still. And he's the same size as me on some things. So if I don't like something, I can hand it off. But this month mm -hmm. I got this. I didn't hand off anything. It was all cool. I liked everything. And I'm that guy who doesn't like to go shopping. 
but I do need some new stuff. I mean, you got to have something new. It's 2023. You got to oh, update, yeah. update your profile a little bit. And I think it's a really inexpensive way to do it. It's a great deal. Look, I uh, I just got my new box and it was six items and my total bill was just over $200. I know it could be a lot. You could do this on a quarterly basis, do it a monthly, however much you want. But when you think about it, six different items in your closet for 200 bucks is a steal. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And if you don't like something, you can send it right Inflation-driven market, yeah. Yeah, and now you can send, if you don't like it, you can send it back. If you want different sizes, you can send it back. They work with you on everything. It's a great gig. I love Stitch Fix. It's a great way to kind of, you know, get some things fresh in your wardrobe. If you're listening to us now, you're thinking about wanting to try this out. You try it out the first time, you get $25 off. If you go take our link in the show notes and go to stitchfix.com, Use the link to get there, and from there, you'll save 25 bucks. We appreciate Stitch Fix. They're the ones who make it possible for Uncle Rico to be in here every week and for us to continue doing this podcast. So thanks to Stitch Fix. As we move forward, we've got I kind of got three sections that we're going to talk about from here. Um, I want to start with, I, I don't like calling it Black Monday, but it's, it's it's a dark day, it's and that's that we had the coaching firings. We had a couple of these already, but uh, I was kind of surprised at the limited number of NFL coaches that got fired this past week. Um, right now, there are five current job openings. So we already knew about Indianapolis, and we already knew about Denver, and we knew about Carol White. All three yep. interim coaches. Um, I'm still hearing that Carolina may still keep. Steve Wilkes, the interim coach. They have not fired him. His just his contract's expired. Um, yeah. And then since then, on Sunday night, Houston fired Lovey Smith. On Monday morning, Arizona fired fired Cliff Kingsbury. Um, I want to talk overdue, about but finally. Yeah. Before we talk too deep, I want to talk about something at a. I want your opinion on this. I've heard this elsewhere. I think this is. I don't know. I don't know how to say this, but I think something's wrong with something. Houston fires Lovey Smith. And look, Lovey Smith to me is a really solid NFL coach. He is, you know, he's gone to the Super Bowl with the Bears team. You know, he lost the Super Bowl, but he went there before him. Everywhere he's been, he's well liked, he's well respected in the league. And he was brought into an absolute shit show in Houston this season. Uh, everything yeah, that happened yeah. with Sean Watson, the trade, um, all the stuff that was happening, you know, higher up with the general manager and the, it was some of the executives and some issues they were having there. Then they made the trade with Deshaun Watson. They get him out the paint. But they decided to stick with Davis Mills, a quarterback. This team, this roster is not very good. I mean, honestly, the best player, in my view, on the entire Texans roster is Derek Stingley. And he's a rookie, a rookie corner who was hurt half the season. <laughs> it, it, it tells me, and I could be off base here, but I really do believe this. I think Houston hired Lovey Smith. Don't get me wrong when I say this. This isn't a racist way, please. I mean, they hired him because he's black, and they knew they were going to fire him. I think they took the opportunity to go, hey, we can make this hire, and it helps us. Moving forward, we're never going to be known as the place that didn't hire a black coach. 
because they had Romeo Cornell at one time. Now they're going to have, you know, they had, but it wasn't like they put anything behind Lovey Smith. Houston set Lovey Smith up to fail, in my view. Yeah, I, I don't. I think that was going to happen regardless of the coach that they put there, whether it was Lovey Smith or anyone yes. else. I think that's where Houston was. So, I, I remember having this com- uh, hearing this like preseason that that's essentially what they were doing. They got Lovey in there. He's a respected coach. He's a minority hire. He looks good, and they get him in there. And I think he knew. I mean, I don't think he was like railroad or anything like that. I think he walked into it with the understanding like they were they were blunt about it. It's like, we need a coach for, for this year. We're looking to do something next year. Um, but we want to bring you in for a year, give you a year in this, get you a paycheck, lead this team, do what you can with it. But you know, that's, that's kind of where we are. I don't think they were hiding that. I think it was pretty much well known as far as that goes. Um, so I don't, it doesn't, it didn't come out of left field because I thought that's what was going to happen before the season even started. Yeah. Well, we, so that doesn't surprise me too much. Pre-season. We thought there was no chance he's coming back next season. And that the hire of Lovey Smith, while a well-respected man and someone that I mean I I'm a believer of and I and I think was a good hire, I still think that it was the hire made because he is African American and they can use that as sort of a bullet in their gun down the road to say, hey, we've done this before. What I'm trying to say is I'm not trying to say negative about Lovey Smith or even about the hires of African Americans. I'm actually the opposite. What I'm trying to say is I don't think the Texans should get any get any credibility for that. I think the Texans should receive yeah, zero I I, credibility for the fact they did hire an African-American coach this past year because they did it setting him up to fail. I agree. I agree. I, I think it's one of those situations where anyone who could – this doesn't pass the eye test. It never did. Never. Um, if they claim otherwise, I'll call bullshit. Um, and it'll be a pretty much a, a big black eye on them, but I don't, I don't believe they have, you know, claimed otherwise, no. you know, and I don't think mm-hmm. they will. I think they're just doing what they're going to do. They have a, an idea of a plan for what they're going to do going forward. I think a lot of that is, okay, we're out, we're out. And I said this, you know, earlier in the year, we're kind of out from under the Deshaun Watson, you know, shade, if you will. So let's get through this year and and devise a plan to rebuild and energize this team going forward. And they just, they didn't have anything going into this year. So let's just do what we can. We're, we, we've, we got the trade. We got what we need from them. Next year is our rebuild year. We have a chance to really do something. We got picks, we got money and cap room and all this. So let's just get through the year. And I think, I think that's what they've done. And I think that serves them best not to have to say anything because they're not fooling anyone. Yeah. We all know They've certainly skated under the radar on all this. So um, yeah. I do think that it's a really good FU from Lovey on the way out to win the last game. It cost him the first pick in the draft. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I love how everyone's defending. It's like, I am a sportsman. I You hear Michael Irvin, I'm a sportsman. I'm going to get on that field. I'm going to try to win every game. No, you don't. You know that they, you know, they'll tank some games if they if they're if they're that close. So yeah, if you want to give an fu to it, I say give them an fu. The players and the coaches. It's not yeah. like it's it's not like the players still have to be there, mind you. They they're the ones on the field that actually did the work to finish it. But yeah. I loved I love that he they did win the first game and gave the uh, first pick to Chicago. 
Yeah, I just I think they shouldn't be rewarded for what they've done behind the scenes. That's my thing. Agreed. I yeah, agree. Yeah. So they're going to have a problem hiring a coach too. Just watch. They are not going to have this. Is not going to go well for them. I think people know this. I think <laughs> it's just one of those things, and I think that this is not going to go well. They are going to get the second pick in the draft, which means they're going to get the either they're either going to get Will Anderson from Alabama, the the, the pass rushing uh, defensive end, or Bryce Young, the quarterback uh, from Alabama. I I do think those two are going to go one and two, and we'll get into the draft at a different point. We're not even going to cover that all today, but. Oh, we got a long way to go before that. A goes. long way to go before we get there. So we're just right now. Instead, let's just get on where we're at. Um, five openings right now: Arizona, Carolina, Denver, Houston, Indy. Uh, Uncle Rico, what's the best opening? The best opening is Sean Payton in Denver. You think so? And there's a lot it's, of smoke on that. We requested to talk to him. Yeah. Here's here's what I'll say. When you look at the other teams, I think Arizona has a major dysfunction problem in the organization. They are they are they don't just have what I consider to be a non-leader quarterback. They don't just have what I thought was a bad coach to begin with. They have other player. They have other coaching and GM and admin staff personnel. They have the issue when they were in Mexico City. There's some controversy about who's actually to blame for that. You got the GM who's stepping aside. I think Arizona is a very unattractive situation because of their dysfunction. They're going to get a coach. They're going to get a GM. They need to figure some things out. Um, I. <laughs> they even just having Kyler Murray sit there and say, "Hey, we're, you know, I'm going to have some input on the next coach." I don't want him to have input on him. I mean, he, it should be that way. He is their franchise quarterback. But at the yeah. same time, his judgment, in my opinion, is questionable. Yeah. Indianapolis has a less attractive situation. I don't think they have the players they really want. They didn't utilize what they had very well. Uh, Houston obviously has their kind of rebuilding situation. I think Denver is the more prepped team with talent-wise. If you can organize it, I thought their last game showed what they were capable of. Uh, when they are playing on the right on all the right beats, I think they need a proper coach to do that. I think Sean Payton's the right guy for it. So that's why I lobby for that. But there, I think all the other coaching situations have are symptomatic of other problems as well that they need to fix before they can actually see success. Okay. Well, I also think Denver is the most attractive situation. Um, I would say it's Arizona if Kyler Murray wasn't hurt. The fact that he's going to miss probably half this next season is going to take the right coach at Arizona, someone who believes in Kyler Murray. Um, the fact that um, Kern, the general manager, stepped away as well, that's a good thing. He's been a disaster as a GM. Um, oh, he's God, had yeah. all sorts of issues. He's not just off the field himself. He's not been a good GM. Uh, there's now talk they're going to trade DeAndre Hopkins. Those are the franchises are going to take a, a very much needed step backwards. Um, I don't know. That's going to take someone who's going to be patient, who's going to who has to believe in Kyler Murray, and willing to take on a process. Carolina, you don't have a lot of great weapons. You they don't have a quarterback. Christian McCaffrey's gone, but you got an owner who's excitable and wants to win, and he's a billionaire and he. He wants to win. 
I don't think it's a bad situation, but I don't think it's the best situation. I do think Denver's a good situation because you do have Russell Wilson, who we've made a lot of jokes about Russell Wilson this season. He has not been good. He's in his worst season of his career this year. We can blame that on Russ. We can blame that on Daniel Hackett, the whole situation, a couple of the injuries on that team as well. But there are pieces in the offense, a couple of pieces in the defense. The only issue I see with Denver is that you, you do have a franchise quarterback, you have some young pieces in the offense, but you don't have a lot of draft capital. So you're going to have to be the coach that comes in and says, I really like this, whether it be in Wilson. And then you have Judy and Patrick and a couple of those receivers. Um, I think that's the place for Sean Payton. Sean Payton's not going to a whole rebuild. Houston, we've already talked about. I think it's just a disaster. I mean, Houston's going to have to overpay somebody, and it's got to be somebody who absolutely believes in one of these quarterbacks in this draft and is willing to do whatever it takes to get a Bryce Young or a C.J. Stroud uh, or Will Levis and thinks that this is the guy moving forward. And you, and you can't be wrong. Right? And then Indy is an issue with ownership. The guy wants to win. He doesn't yeah. know what the fuck he's doing. Jeff Saturday is trying to position himself to be the permanent coach. He's already said he wants the job. I think he's going to get it, first off. I do. I think he's going to get it. I think there's a good chance he gets it. But, he, I mean, he even before he cursed his first game, he said, I, this is my tryout. I do want this job. I want to have this job next year. I think, he, I think it's a very attractive position for him. Yeah, but I don't think he did a good but job. They need pieces. They need no, and, but it know, wasn't it wasn't a team he helped build either. No, I agree with that. I'll give him but that credit, but I think he I do think he made mistakes. We've talked about this, you and I have talked to Tyler about it as well. The Colts should be one of the best two or three franchises in the AFC. What really hurt them was Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck's retirement with all his injuries and everything and him leaving football, that killed. They have not made a good decision at quarterback since. And they were hoping that they could bandage the thing together and put Matt Ryan with them. And that he would, they were hoping they were going to get Matt Ryan of four years ago, the MVP Matt Ryan. And the only way you're getting that Matt Ryan is if Kyle Shanahan comes with him. That's the only reason he was any good that season. So I don't know. I think Indy's going to need some help. I, I None of these five jobs are particularly appealing to me, to be perfectly frank. If I was Sean Payton, I wouldn't take any of these five jobs. And I do <laughs> think there'll be other jobs come open. And you know which one I think is coming open. Yeah, there's. that's the part of this conversation is that the playoffs still have to happen. And we don't know what's going to happen with some of the coaches out of the playoff situation. Specific, there's specifically one that I'm concerned about that we're, we're looking at. The rest of them, I'm not really worried about. It's just the one. Well, well I'll tell you um, this. But it's something that I think is a conditional. Like it's, that's why you don't talk, they can't talk. The Denver's already asked to talk to Sean Payton, but that can't happen for another month. Because yeah. it's got to be after the Super Bowl, and there's a reason for that. Because all of the everything that happens out of the rest of the playoffs and the Super Bowl has to kind of settle before you start looking at next year. 
New Orleans has made it known that New Orleans Saints have the right to Sean Payton for a couple more years. If he's to go somewhere as a coach, the New Orleans Saints have his rights and they have to trade those rights. The New Orleans Saints want a first round pick for Sean Payton. So I'm going to ask the question this way. If you're Arizona, Carolina, Indy, Denver, or Houston, can you trade your first round pick this year for Sean Payton? I think the argument can be made for uh, some of that. If you're Houston, for example, you've got some, I mean, you've got something for Deshaun Watson, but it's a very unattractive situation for Sean Payton based on what he has said. Um, Denver's, it's a lot harder to do, but the situation is much better talent-wise in Denver. Um, it's a, the part of this also, I think, for Sean Payton is what is an ideal situation for him? He said he's already said that you know he wants to come back and coach, and he wants to come back for the right situation. But what is that situation hasn't been discussed. Yeah. Does he want a blank slate? Does he want something with pieces already? Uh, I don't know. Um, I, I think, think that for me, Denver, Carolina, Indy are probably the three leading best scenarios mm-hmm. for different reasons. Um, but they all need something that they don't have right now. You know, I think if I was Sean Payton, if he if he likes Kyler Murray, I think Arizona's the best fit. But the problem is the pick you have to trade is number three or number four overall. Mm-hmm. Same problem yeah. with Houston. Houston can't give the number two pick to New Orleans. No. <laughs> that and makes so it really hard. That deal. That's and the Saints knew what they were doing on that. When they made the trade last year, the Chris Olave deal, they got rid of their first round pick. They knew someone was going to take Sean Payton. Now, Denver doesn't have a first round pick this year. It's part of the Russell Wilson deal. It's in Seattle. Right. Um Carolina does. That's a good that could be something. And then you know, but then if you're Sean Payton, you say, well, yeah, I'm willing to let my team trade a top 10 pick to bring me in. I don't know if you can make that decision as a coach and as a general manager. I I think it's going to get interesting. I think that the, the, there are going to be at least one job open. The Bucks job's coming open. They're, they're, that's not yeah, going to last. Yeah. I always said, I've said already, the loser of the Cowboys-Bucks game, that job's open. There's a chance they're both open. If the Bucks beat the Cowboys, Mike McCarthy's getting run right out of town, and Jerry Jones yeah, oh, will write, and Jerry Jones will give up a first round pick this year, next year, and write the biggest fucking check you've ever seen in New Orleans to get Sean Payton. Yeah, but that's where I. Everybody keeps talking about Dallas, but I keep thinking about. It's not just the team, it's the fit. And if I'm if I'm Sean Payton, what jumps to mind to me is the potential success that you saw out of a Jimmy Johnson and the same result after you've had that success. Well and I don't know if I'm a Sean Payton and I trust Jerry Jones as a GM. Okay. I see your point there. And that's a valid point. It's valid, but here's where I think it's different. I don't think anyone goes into a job now thinking they're going to be there more than five years. True. 
but so that's I'll why give you I think it's not a worry in Sean Payton's case. Also, Sean Payton has worked for Jerry Jones before. He was, he was the offensive coordinator under Bill Parcells there. The Cowboys have tried in the past to get Sean Payton. Sean Payton lives in Dallas. Yeah. His family but lives in Dallas. His, his kids, he you know, his wife and he split. His family lives in Dallas. It's the yeah. best place for him. Plus, he has a team that he can win with. He has a quarterback he can win with. And we can argue Dak versus anybody else. I'm not going to hear that's not what I'm here for today. But you just got to move a few of the pieces around the board as opposed to saying, no, we're going to have to go 3-14 and 14 next year and get our balls beat like a pinata and then get another high pick to bring in that superstar. I think those are all the necessary things. And we'll get into that Sean Payton thing probably a little more in the next couple of weeks. But I wanted to ask you, so you sure. think the best opening is Denver, though? We pretty much agree on that? Currently. Currently, yeah. yes. Currently. Yeah. I think it is, too, because I'm the person who doesn't believe in, in the Kyler Murray. I wouldn't want to go into Arizona because of Kyler Murray. Um, yeah, so I see you there. All right. The other uh, coach getting talked about quite a bit is Jim Harbaugh. Yeah. Jim Harbaugh is talking to a lot of teams. <laughs> just, just, and just, Michigan just is a not tiny mo- bit of motivation right there. What's that? Just a tiny bit of motivation to look at the NFL right now. You know, here's my Jim thing. Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh. You know, he, he gets offered jobs pretty much every year now. Um, he's got bounced out of the playoff with his best team. He's recruited well at Michigan. He's got good teams at Michigan. But if he hasn't won these last two years, he hasn't won a national title, I don't know that he's ever going to. I would say that it's if you're Jim Harbaugh, you've been in the NFL before, you know the situation. I would argue he's had better success at Michigan since he left the NFL than he ever did in the NFL. I, Personally, I, I think he's had more success over the over the course of the years. Well, collectively, he went to a Super Bowl in San Francisco, and he was really good there. I, yeah, but Michigan if you look at all the years, modern, and that was a different decalling at the time. Yeah, exactly. I think this year is a little bit different because you're right. He does get that conversation at the end of every college every year. It's the end of the year. It's that conversation of. You know, NFL coaching op- uh, openings are there. They happen every year. And Jim Harbaugh's name comes up every year. I think this year is a little bit different because of the investigation that's happening. Yeah. So there is that to consider differently than in past years. Um, I, but it's, it's one of those situations where I think Michigan likes, them, likes him. And yeah, I yeah. think he, want, he has that job as long as he wants that job. I agree. Yeah, I just don't know how long he wants to stay there. Let me ask this question on Jim Harbaugh, then we'll move on. Um, of the five teams in open position, if you were any of those five, would you go for Jim Harbaugh? And if so, which team would you be? Yes. Um, I would definitely consider Jim Harbaugh. I would think of him for probably Indy or Carolina. Okay. Indy's I think they're, they're the more stable. They're the those two, I think, are the more attractive for Jim Harbaugh. He gets a little bit of a blank slate, and he can build off of that, as well as correct some problems that they've had this year and last year. Um, 
So I think, I think for him, those would be two attractive situations. I think Arizona and Houston are toxic no matter who the coach will be. I don't, I don't, I, they both carry different kinds of problems in different ways, so you need the right coach in those situations. I don't well, think Jim Harbaugh is the guy who wants to step into that. Arizona and Houston, you kind of touched on this. Arizona and Houston, I think you're kind of different than everybody else in that whoever they hire, they hire a big name. That big name is going to bring a GM with them when they want to work with. That worked yeah, well yeah. for Harbaugh in San Francisco. And so I wonder if they could do that again. I'll tell you, if I'm the guy, if I'm Houston, Houston would be the team that I would throw Jim Harbaugh the money. I'd say, go find your GM. You figure out which of these quarterbacks in this draft you want, and you, we're going to make sure you get them. Because there's going to be four of them. There's going to be four of them in the first round. And there's two that I think are can't misses. There's a third I think can be really good. I got third one with Jim Harbaugh would be ex- exceptionally good. And then the fourth mm-hmm. one, it's going to depend on, I'm not sure about Anthony Richardson yet. but. Uh, the, I think Stroud and I think um, Bryce Young are no-brainers. And then I think course, that yeah. Will Levis with the right quarterback or right coach, I think Will Levis with Jim Harbaugh is a great idea. But if you're Houston, you've got the number two pick. You can pretty much choose. Because, I mean, I'm sitting there at one is um, – um, who has the one more pick? The Bears. The Bears do. Chicago. They're not taking a quarterback. Yeah. They've got Justin Fields. They like him. They've the been talking that they will. Yeah, There's I, talk that they might trade Fields and get a young quarterback, give Fields okay. an opportunity somewhere else. And I know Tyler's going to ask me this on his podcast this week. There's rumors about that already. Yeah. So which of those five teams? Well, I, we'll throw Denver out of that because that's not going to happen. Which of those four teams, Indy, Houston, Carolina, Arizona, and Arizona still got Kyler Murray, you're not going to make the deal there. You've already got a franchise quarterback. If you're Houston, you can make that deal for Justin Fields, trade the number two pick. But, you know, do you go one and two? You know, I mean, like, what's yeah, in it for the Bears? It doesn't make a lot of sense. One for two, get rid of Justin Fields just to replace you know who were God, there's so when you get to this point and you start looking at draft capital in the early in the in the, in the you know top of the first round, the team that jumps to mind that might be in that market is Green Bay. Yeah, we don't know yet. Of, yeah, there's a lot of smoke on that yeah, fire with, with Rodgers and everything else there. Um, yeah, well, we you know when we talk about teams that need a quarterback, that might be a team that needs a quarterback. I also think Seattle's going to look at quarterbacks too. I think every, I think the, the, who was it that said it? They they gave they gave the 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 the, the media answer was, we're going to evaluate the draft as a whole, yeah. and make our decisions based on that. Not a and you know when talking specifically about quarterbacks, they were like we're going to evaluate the draft on our needs as a whole and didn't answer the question. And I yeah. think that's kind of where Green Bay's sitting right now. Yeah. I just look at this if I was um, if I was Seattle, I would look at it and go, okay, I know we got Geno for another year. Let me go find that quarterback that I really like and can sit him for a full year. I think that's a, 
spot I would do. And you you know how I feel about first year quarterbacks, unless you have to, letting them sit, write a clipboard, learn the system is always a good thing. Let them mature in the league and then bring them out um, and let them start playing. Uh, I am a fan of that. I am a, I would be a fan of Seattle doing that. Uh, I don't know if they will, but I, I mean, you do have Gino, so you can still go yeah. another year and bring a yeah. quarterback in, let him learn, let him grow, let him mature. Yeah, I don't think let it's him realize sit, what the speed of this game situation. is, how it's different. Yeah, I don't think it's a sit Geno Smith situation. I think it's a use him to train your next quarterback. Agreed. So, all right. All right. Now we're going to get to the playoffs. Before we get into the playoffs, we got to talk about one of our other great sponsors here on the podcast, and that's our folks at Caesars. Got to thank Caesars for the money. They've been really good to me this past couple of weeks. Um, hey, Caesars has been with us for a little while now, and Caesars Sportsbook's got a got a new thing going. Right now, you're going to get up to a thousand bucks in basically free bets if you lose your first bet. You're also going to get a fifty dollar deposit bonus, up to a hundred dollar bonus if you deposit a little bit more. Use the link in our show notes. You can check it out. Caesars Sportsbook. We appreciate Caesars and everything they do. Um, you know, I use them quite a bit. I know we all talk about it here on the pod and we have our picks in the 0.5 each week and Caesars has been a great sponsor for us and hopefully they'll continue to do that in 2023 as well. So thank you to Caesars and check them out for all your playoff betting needs, your college basketball needs, um, for your Australian basketball needs. <laughs> China. I will discuss that later. Um, <laughs> yeah, do it. Not here. Not here. That'll, that'll be a. That'll be a. I'm gonna have to go talk to somebody about. It, I think. But no, have fun. And remember, we always tell you to, to gamble wisely. If you're gonna play, game responsibly. Tip money. That's the rule of the o Coach Bodo Show. Tip money. Whatever you're willing to tip, that's what you're willing to play on a game. Don't get crazy. We don't want to see people, you know, hurt their families' lifestyles because of gambling. So be careful out there, folks. But have fun. All right. Playoffs are here. Been looking yeah, forward to them. Week one. Now, I do you want to just pick the games as we go, or do you want to? Do you have a? Do you have anything? You look at this, and you look at the two sides, the AFC, the NFC, and you go, "Yeah, there's an upset, bro." Or is there any big surprise? Do you have a bracket in front of you right now? I, I did. I did a full bracket for the playoffs based on picks, uh, and it generated. And I have it in front of me. Um, I didn't know if you wanted to maybe do just this week's games, or do you want to try and we're going to pick know, this week's deep. games, and then after we pick the games, okay. we'll talk about what we think is going to happen moving forward. So let's review real quick. Okay. The AFC, because of the changes with the the game seventeen week seventeen game of Buffalo and the Bengals not being played, uh, the Chiefs do get the number one seed. Um, if the Chiefs end up playing Buffalo in the AFC championship game, that will be moved to a neutral site. Uh, the argument is that Buffalo lost the number one seed because they played one less game. So yeah. um, our matchups for week one in the AFC, we have Buffalo hosting the Dolphins. Uh, just as today has come out, Tua Tagovailoa is not playing in the game. Yep. We do not know the status of Teddy Bridgewater yet, but we know Tua is out. Um, the Bengals are the three seed. They'll be hosting the Ravens. They just played last week and beat the Ravens both mm -hmm. times this year. 
The other opening week game, number four seed, Jacksonville Jaguars came back and won the South. They've won six in a row and are going to be hosting the L.A. Chargers. What they'll then do from here, this is not set up like a bracket. It is set up to where the lowest remaining seed will play the number one seed. So if it goes chalk, two, three, four, then Jacksonville would play Kansas City. If there is an upset, yep. uh, Baltimore, the, um, the Chargers, or the Dolphins were to pull off an upset, lowest seed plays Kansas City. The other two winners will play, and then on out. The NFC side, Philadelphia Eagles are the one seed to capture the only bye. The 49ers pass the Vikings and are the number two seed. They're going to be hosting their division rival, the Seattle Seahawks, who they also beat twice during the season. Uh, that's the 2-7 game. 3-6, you've got the Vikings hosting the Giants. The Giants got in. They basically sat everybody week 18. Uh, they could not move yep. up or down, so they did their thing of resting their players. And then the NFC South, the tallest midget, as I like to call it, is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers winning the South. Uh, Tom Brady will go into the playoffs. They will be hosting the Dallas Cowboys. Again, the lowest seed will then face the Eagles. The two remaining seeds will play. Then we'll have a playoff from there. Um, let's talk AFC first. Let's get into these games. All the right. Chargers-Jags game. Let's do that first. Chargers, Jags, this started out, the point spread was two and a half. The Chargers were a two and a half point favorite initially. Um, all the money got bet on Jacksonville. And that thing has moved to where it's now a one point spread. Who do you like here, the Chargers or Jacksonville? I like Jacksonville. I think they're riding momentum into the playoffs. They've worked really hard to get to this point. They had to come, you know, they, they kind of like, a couple of teams are just digging out of the hole, but they're playing their best football in years. And I'm not convinced the Chargers are as good as they're even just being in the playoffs. You know, they were, they kind of got in, but they could have easily have been out. One game different here, one game there, they wouldn't be there. To me, I like what Jacksonville is doing. I think they're treading in the right direction. I think they're their whole team has gone cohesive, and I can't say the same thing about the Chargers. Well, the, it's unbelievable, but the very first game we're going to disagree. Um, I like the Chargers. I like the Chargers here. I like them big. Um, the Chargers have won for the last six. They did lose to the Broncos in week in, in week eighteen uh, in a game they utterly dominated for the first half, and then the Broncos came back in, played the best they've played all season in the second half of that game. I watched every moment of the Jacksonville Titans game. And I have not seen a team play so poorly on the offensive side going into a playoff game than Jacksonville did. Um, Trevor, I will say this first off. I will say, look, they've been really, they are beyond expectations of where they are this season. Well beyond. I don't think anyone thought they were going to be in the playoffs. No one, but they're going to win the division. Uh, this is a team that going in has won five in a row. 
The game before that, they lost to the Lions, and then you go back, they won to beat the Ravens playoffs. They won six out of seven going in. Uh, they played a pretty weak division. I mean, obviously the South hasn't been great. But what I will say I'm not impressed with, I don't think Trevor Lawrence is that good. I, I tweeted this during the game on Saturday. <laughs> Trevor Lawrence cannot hit a receiver unless the guy is just butt naked wide open. I I know what you're talking about because I remember that pass into the end zone. He just overthrew to a oh, wide open receiver. I, mean, I, I know what you mean. Every quarterback in the league makes that throw, and Trevor Lawrence can't. I think that Doug Peterson has done a fantastic job with this team. And I don't think that Trevor Lawrence is going to not be good. I mean, there's he's going to be a fine player in this league for a long time, especially with Doug Peterson at the helm. But I don't think he's number one overall pick good. And I agree I'm with that. Sure. I agree with that. Yeah. And so I look at this, but then I look at the Chargers and I go, they're getting healthy. They had this in, you know, the last two-thirds of the season where they just, every damn receiver on the team got hurt. And now those receivers yeah. are getting healthy. Herbert had a little thing with the ribs earlier in the season. He's healthy. They're running the that, ball yeah. well. Their defense is playing well. Um, man, I, I'm taking the Chargers here. I think the Chargers are going to win. And I'm going to have a surprise for you later, too. So. I'm taking the charge. Okay. Uh, next game, the 3-6 game, the Ravens going to Cincinnati. To give you an idea, this is, this is the uh, Sunday night game. This is also a huge spread for a playoff game, eight and a half. The Bengals are an eight and a half point favorite. They've beaten the, 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 the Ravens twice already. It, they always say the adage is it's hard to beat a team three times. Uncle Rico, what do you think? It's easily the Bengals. And I don't care if Lamar plays or not because Lamar hasn't played in five weeks. I don't care if he is on the field place. or not. Yeah, it doesn't look I, I don't, I don't, it, to me, it's Bengals. It's no yeah. question. Bengals. They're, they're firing on all cylinders. They're doing everything right. Um, I, it, I don't even question it. I think the Bengals are the most under-the-radar team in the league. I think that I think people are sleeping on how good they are. I, and I'll say it like this. Well, we'll get to that in a minute. We'll get to that in a minute. But I, I think yeah. that the, the Bengals are very, very good. And, I mean, obviously we know I'm biased in the Joe Burrow thing. But I think he's a top-five sure. quarterback in this league right now. He might be a top-three quarterback in this league. And um, I think they're going to make a run. I like the Bengals big, too. Uh, last AFC game, Bills hosting the Dolphins. Uh, again, we know no Tua in this game. This is the game that's going to be Sunday. It's the noon game, Central Time. So it'll be 11 a.m. your time yep. in Denver. Uh, the Bills are a 13-point favorite this game. Um, I just got to think that in this case, the adrenaline's still going. Uh, this team's played. If you don't have last week, they played like a team destined to win. Oh yeah, you know, they are. They are fighting. They are playing with a purpose. Yeah. This is this is a Bills team that is different than you saw four weeks ago. They're playing with a purpose. Yeah. So, so and this is and, it, and without I don't think without Tua, 
I don't think the Dolphins have a chance here. I, I, if Tua were there, I'd consider them. But without Tua, I don't think they're firing on all the cylinders right. I don't think they have enough to beat the Bills. It's Bills easy for me. I will say the Dolphins played that second game in Buffalo. I think that was right before Christmas, week before Christmas maybe. And mm-hmm. they gave the Bills everything they wanted. They absolutely did. But Josh Allen the last couple of games played a different level. And I should say last couple of days. The game before the Bengals game, this game, this past week, he was at a different level. You know, he's an MVP kind of player. I don't think he's going to win the MVP. Uh, we'll talk about that in a minute. But um, he's a top three quarterback in my view. And I think that this is the kind of the time. And then I think the emotion of the DeMar Hamlin thing is going to be really big this week. So I like Buffalo here as well. All right. Uh, jump over to the NFC side. Let's start on the bottom side. Let's start with the 2-7. The 49ers at home against the Seahawks. This is the early game on Saturday. The 49ers are a nine-and-a-half-point favorite. What are you thinking about here? 49ers without question. You know I've been riding high on the 49ers all year. Uh, with Jimmy, without Jimmy, Brock Purdy has been playing very well. Their numbers are all right, and I still buy into defense wins championships, and San Francisco's defense, in my opinion, is second to none. I think stats-wise, they're number two behind the Eagles uh, as far as defensive stats. Um, so they have one of the best defenses in the league. I don't think uh, – I think Seattle comes out early with enough energy, but I think San Francisco just smothers them throughout the game. I like the 49ers too. Uh, I think that the Seahawks are a, they're a great story and they have way out. This is a team that I thought when they traded Russell Wilson, I oh, yeah. thought it was going to be tanking to try to go for the number one pick. Instead, they've had a fantastic season. Pete Carroll has probably coached his best season. If you ask me, this is the best coaching job he's done. Geno Smith. Arguably, is, yes just so solid he is he is like the really good game manager he has the best completion percentage in the league doesn't make mistakes he doesn't turn the ball over they have a puncher's chance in this game they have a puncher's chance against anybody but they have a puncher's chance in this game but i do like the 49ers a little better even with purdy at quarterback and the inexperience there uh, you're right on the, the defense and the run game. I think that's going to be too much. Um, the next one, we've got Vikings hosting the Giants. Now, I want to tell you on this one. Um, so that game <laughs> is Sunday in the afternoon. It's the 3.30 game. P. Money yeah. comes to me, and he says, hey, what time is the, the Vikings? He's picking them for something. He says, what time is the Vikings yeah. playing? They're in the afternoon. He says, so they're not in the 12 o'clock window? I said, no. He says, oh, Kirk Cousins is going to lose the game. Now. There's something about Kirk Cousins can't play unless, unless it's 12 o'clock or 1 o'clock Eastern, whatever you want to call it. Unless he's in that <laughs> time period, he can't play well. The Giants, a team that, again, we thought was going to be one of the worst five teams in the league, Brian Dable has done an incredible job this year. And they're in the playoffs, one of the three teams in their division in. Uh, the sixth seed and played well. What do you think here in this game? I think this one's close, 
but I okay. think Minnesota finishes. And I think this one's going to be those. You know, it could be a field goal or one. It's a one-score game to me. This one's going to be close. It's going to come down the wire. It's going to be a fun one to watch. But I think Minnesota has just a little bit more talent beyond quarterback than the Giants have. So as long as I, they don't make a lot of mis- as, as long as they play clean, if they don't make a lot of mistakes, I think they edge out the Giants. Yeah, I think the Vikings showed when that had that big comeback game against the Colts. They're not out of any yeah. game. Their offense can score points. I, you know, Kirk Cousins is, you know, kind of the, he's the question mark. What's he going to do? How's he going to, if he makes mistakes, they're going to be in trouble. But I think it's kind of midnight Cinderella for the Giants in this one. I like the Vikings. They're a three-point favorite. I like the Vikings by about a touchdown here. I, I think they're going to win it. They're going to win it pretty big. Um, just think that the other thing to look out for, Minnesota's defense is the ultimate bend but don't break. And I haven't seen a red zone defense as good as them this season. You're going to have to, and I don't know that the Giants have the necessary offensive components to get into the red zone and really challenge the Vikings. So that's why I'm picking the I agree. The last game I think we all think is probably the most interesting game of the weekend. The Dallas Cowboys Monday night are going to Tampa. Dallas is a two-and-a-half-point favorite. This is Tom Brady, the playoffs are here. Uncle Rico, what you got, buddy? This is the one that's going to be controversial. I've I've already heard people talking about, oh, they're playing on grass, not turf. They're playing outside, not in a dome. Blah, 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 blah. I am – I have – you have said it since week one, and I have been – not defending, but I've been on the other side of that coin all year. This is the game that that changes that conversation. I'm picking Dallas. I don't. I think this is Tom Brady's worst year as 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 a leading quarterback. I think this is Tampa Bay's worst year that he's been there. I do not have faith that whatever they have been doing at the end here to stay in it is enough. I think Dallas comes in and probably takes it by 10 or more because they're motivated. They played last week awful. I think that's their worst game of the year. And I think they're going to come off that game motivated to just really do something different. So I'm picking Dallas. Uh, This is, for me, a Dallas game, Tampa. Tom Brady's last game in Tampa. It probably maybe his last game ever, but at least his last game in Tampa, as I see it, uh, they go down to Dallas at home. There's a lot to this. You hit a lot of it. This is Tom Brady's last game as a buck, if he loses. The next game he loses is his last game there. Um, may he play again? He might. And there, I know there's some talk about him in the 49ers. There's some talk about him and Sean Payton going together somewhere. I'm not going to worry about all that right now. I have said all season long, the team that I don't want to play in a one-game situation is the Dallas Cowboys. They're the most balanced team of offense and defense in the entire league. Next to the Eagles. I can argue that, yeah. I'll argue the Eagles are better offensively and defensively. I think the Cowboys are going to beat the Bucs. I think they are going to beat the Bucs handily. I think this is going to be a blowout. I think it's going to be so bad people are going to tune out in the second half of this game. 
angry, like, fuck this, I'm going to bed. The Bucks defense, <laughs> the Bucks offense has been bad. And the only yeah. thing they've been yeah. good at is two of the last four games against bad teams, including my New Orleans Saints. They've played good for four minutes at the end of the game. But if you're down three touchdowns, or if Tom Brady gets hit five or six times, like he's going to in this game, this game's over. I I like I Dallas. I, this could be 30 to three. This could be this, this to me. I think Micah Parsons is going to go off. I think Dak reels in at least for this game. All of his turnover problems this year. I think he reels that in. I think they play through the tackles uh, through through uh, Pollard and Elliott. I like Dallas in this a lot. Yeah, I, I like Dallas. I like them big. I will say this: if Dallas loses this game, Mike McCarthy should and will get fired. I'm not convinced that this game, if even that they win this game, his job is secure because yeah. it's Tampa. They're, they're, Tampa's really not – they're coming – Tampa's coming out of the worst division in football with barely a, a, a winning record, barely. I, I don't see this as a redemption game for him in the playoffs. I don't think it is either. One win. One playoff win in 27 years and a, a team, a, a win against Tampa under these circumstances is not enough. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that winning this game keeps his job either. I just think that yeah. losing it loses for certain. Oh, yeah. I, I can, it puts the nail in the coffin, absolutely. So, because uh, it'll be interesting to see who they play in the next round. So, um, all right. We thought we picked the first round games. Do you have anything that's going to be kind of a non-chalk? Give me, give me something that you got here. Who's going to be a surprise here in the playoffs? You got anything here for me? A surprise? Um, yeah, I got a couple that you might not like. Um, well, one you'll like, but you may not agree with it. I think Bengals and Bills meet, obviously, based on our picks. And I'm going to give your, your boy Burrow cred. They're going to take, they're going to, they're going to, I think they meet the Chiefs, the AFC title. Yeah. And I will tell you right, you know, I'm high on the 49ers. You know, yeah. I'm high on the four. I don't think there's another team that could go through what they've gone through and do what they're doing. Yeah. So I'm really high on the 49ers making it all the way. You got the 49ers winning the NFC? I do. Okay. I had picked close one against the Eagles. I'm, I'm t- I've got them against the Eagles against the, uh, oh. and then picking the 49ers. Yeah. I, we, we know how you we why. the first round go. Go ahead. I'm with you. Yeah. Go ahead. I'll tell you why. Because I think with the first round by, the only game they'll have played is Dallas. And I think Dallas will be riding high off of just getting a playoff win. And the Eagles are going to be hungry. Jalen Hurts will have been rested. He will look a lot healthier than he did even <laughs> last this last weekend um and they'll take care of the, i think they'll take care of dallas so i see i have 49ers eagles in the finals and where i see this being different these i mean to me these may be the two most evenly matched teams uh, across the board top defensive top offenses weapons all around i like what i have seen out of the 49ers defense again and again and again i think they take it to the eagles i think they take it to jalen hurts um 
and I see them in the Super Bowl. So that's my pick there. I I will say that the other one on the other side, I want to pull for the Bills, but I think Burrow's going to have – I think they'll be – by the time they meet in two weeks, they're going to come down off of that high from you know basically just coming in with a purpose. Burrow's, the, the Bengals are coming in with a purpose too. They were the other team in that game. And they want to put a statement down as well as like, look, we were gonna, we looked to beat them then. We're gonna get the rematch. We're gonna take them down now. We're gonna go to another Super Bowl. You know, and again with the Chiefs, Bills or Bengals, that's the team. Those are the two teams that beat the Chiefs again and again just in the last two years. So I like, I like the Bengals coming out of there. Well, like I said, the NFC, I like the Eagles. I think I see your point. I think that the Eagles are going to give the Cowboys everything they want. I think that's going to be a great game. Um, yeah. I like the 49ers coming out of that side, but then I like the Eagles 49ers in the NFC Championship. I do like the Eagles. I think those are really two great match teams. I think in the end, the quarterback plays the difference. And I think that's what I would mm-hmm. take, take uh, the Eagles and Jalen Hurts. On the AFC side, here we go. I'm about to piss some people off. <laughs> We've already picked the winners. We've already said you like Jacksonville, I like the Chargers. You like the Bengals, I like the Bengals. You like the Bills, I like the Bills. I think we both agree the Bengals and the Bills are playing week two. I don't think either the six or the seven is going to win. So that comes down to being the game to worry about. That game's in Buffalo. And I'm going to say this in a way that's nice as I can say it. Before Mar Hamlin got hurt, the Bengals were beating the shit out of the fucking Bills. Yes, they were. The they were, were in charge of the game in the first quarter. They were kicking their ass. Uh, they were. They were in control of the game, game early. Offensively and defensively, they were beating them. They were stopping them offensively. They were physical with Allen, and this happened. Now, I'm not blaming DeMar Amwell on this. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but I think it hasn't been said that the Bengals were whipping them. They were about to score again. It was going to be 14-3. to three. I, I wouldn't say they were whooping. They were up, and they were in control. They had control at the time, but it was still – we are only talking 10 minutes of gameplay. They were whooping. They were whooping. Look, I'll look at it this way. There are three teams in the AFC that are, that are better than everybody else. That's the Chiefs, yeah. the Bengals, and the Bills, right? I tend to think the Bills are the best team. The Bengals have the most explosive offense. Their defense, if you get ahead, their defense can play. They can come get your quarterback. Their front line can absolutely come get you. Where you want to be if you're playing the Bengals is you want to be right with them and run the football and hope you can beat them with the run game. Yeah. I think the most overrated team in this entire playoffs is the Kansas City Chiefs. Kansas City Chiefs have not played a full, total good game in two months. They have had games against the Raiders, against the the Broncos, 
against, I mean, I can't even have to pull the whole schedule. They have, they have covered one spread in two months. And I know people will say, well, that's not important. But here's why it is. It's a look at what are you based on your expectations? And the Chiefs have not played up to their expectations for two months. I ask people, what is the Chiefs' signature win? The Chiefs' signature win is like week seven against the 49ers. And look, they kicked the shit out of the 49ers in week seven. Yeah. But it's a totally different 49er team than playing right now. Oh, absolutely. The Chargers have played the Chiefs twice. They have lost both games by a total of six points. I was at the first one in Arrowhead. And if there's not a pick six going the other way, if Herbert played one play better, the Chiefs lose that game. That one play. Win the game for the Chiefs. Because it was six coming off the board for the Chargers and six going on the board, a 12-point swing. Otherwise, the Chargers win that game. The Chargers were not fully healthy when they played in L.A., and they took the Chiefs all the way to the end. They're healthier. The L.A. Chargers are going to beat the Kansas City Chiefs in the second week of the playoffs. In fairness, it is hard to beat a team three times. It's we got very three hard to beat a team three times. Because we're going to see it week one. We're going to see it in the first week with the Bengals and the, and the Bills. I think both of them are going to pull it off. I think the Chargers are the one that flips. I think the Bengals are going to beat the Bills. I think we're going to see a really great AFC championship game in Cincinnati, the Bengals against the Chargers, the two top picks from the 2020 draft, the two guys, you got Burrow, you've got Herbert, and it's going to be these two are going to get compared to each other for the rest of their careers. And this is going to be the first big-time meeting for these two. And it could go either way. Because the Chargers are good. Actually, I w- I, if, 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 the, if Herbert makes it to the AFC title, I give the edge to the Bengals. Because they've been there. Yeah, I do too. Now, they've been there. Here's the difference. That, that's where I was about to go. The thing I do like is I like the combination of Joe Burrow he experienced them going to the Super Bowl last year. And at any time, he could find Jamar Chase for a big play. Mm-hmm. I've got the Bengals winning the AFC. I have a Bengals-Eagles Super Bowl. I'm going to break my own you heart. Don't, don't, don't pick a winner now. Don't pick, pick a winner now. now. Don't commit to that. We'll no, get there. Don't pick it now. If I had to pick it today, I would pick the Eagles. I'll say that I have this. I I have I I have the I just have that. I have the Eagles in the finals, and I have them facing the 49ers in a close one win over the Eagles. That's where the difference for us lies, because yeah. I think the 49ers and the Eagles are very evenly matched. I think that'll yeah. be a great game. And I and I think in the NFC, the team that could wreck the plan is the Cowboys. I mean, I really, I think the Chargers and the Cowboys are the two teams that can absolutely wreck the plans. 
I think I think in that regard, if Mike McCarthy wants to keep his job, he needs to make it to the NFC title game. He they need to beat the Eagles to get there. Yeah, I think that's a that's a must win for McCarthy if he wants his job. Yeah. All right. So we got our playoff predictions and our preview in. Last uh, point here on current stuff in the NFL. I want to jump in. We had talked for a few weeks about for the regular season awards. This is as good as time as any to knock them out. So give me um, – let's have a little slight discussion here. Look, Patrick Mahomes is going to win the MVP. He is a huge favorite yeah, right now. Would he be getting your vote for MVP? It's hard to argue against him. He's done everything right. He's got all the right numbers. He doesn't have Tyreek Hill, and he's still having success, granted against a – less than stellar AFC West than what was advertised. But nevertheless, he's he's doing he's he's winning, whether it's you know, by an inch or a mile, winning's winning. That's what matters at the end of the day. So I do I I think I don't think he can lose it at this point. I don't, I don't think, think he can I mean, argue he... that Jalen Hurts deserves, you know, to hold on to it for still winning and making and keeping a number one seat as well. But for me I agree. I think it's Patrick Mahomes as much as you can make an argument for other people. I, yeah. I think it's his to lose. Well, I, I wouldn't vote Jalen Hurts in my top three now. Um, missing the two yeah. games yeah. is too much. And I, I really, the injury thing, two games, that was a little much. They didn't really need him that last game. You know, so like to me, I think Jalen Hurts had a great season. And he was my leader. He was my clubhouse leader till a month ago. He was my clubhouse leader until Christmas. The injury is what ended his MVP campaign. It, it made all the difference, yeah. I know that everyone loves Patrick Mahomes. He is not getting my MVP. Josh Allen's getting my MVP. He's in the conversation for sure. He convinced me on Sunday. I watched that game. They had the two big kicks, but I'll tell you what happened. The second half of the game, he just said, I'm taking over. Yeah. And here's what I love about Josh. He's as good a passer as Patrick Mahomes. He is athletic as, as Patrick Mahomes. I think Patrick Mahomes is overall a better player. Okay. If I was going to choose one on my team, I would rather take Patrick Mahomes. But it's very close. I also love that Josh Allen is patient in the run game, can play the read option. And I think next to Derrick Henry, he is the hardest man in the NFL to tackle. Which definitely gives him an edge over Mahomes in that regard, for sure. Mahomes can move, but he's not that scrambler like Josh Allen is. I, I think that the run game piece with Josh Allen, I voting Josh Allen first. I'm voting Joe Burrow second. The Bengals aren't even a playoff team without Joe Burrow. The Bengals aren't even 500 without Joe Burrow. And I'm going to say this. He may not be right now, but he will be the best quarterback in this league in the next five years. I would love to see that be true, even if it's not with the Bengals. Well, from what I understand, the Bengals are going to do whatever it takes. To, because now, starting this Monday, oh, yeah. that now the day oh, has yeah. come 
that draft class, 2020 draft class, is now eligible for extensions. And Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert are going to clean up. Um, they even talk about, I mean, we talked about this already. If you, I don't know if you've heard, I think I've talked to you about this. The Bengals are considering having a sponsor for the Joe Burrow contract extension. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we talked about that. How we talked about that. So um, I don't know if that's going to happen, but whatever, the Bengals are going to do whatever it takes. They've now become one of the top 10 most uh, valuable teams in the league, according to Forbes. Mm-hmm. Why is that? Because of Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow. They've got to keep him. they got to keep him for the equity of their team. So you do whatever it takes. Um, I think he's had the, the best season other than Allen this season. Um, I think that you know people will talk about week one where he had the four turnovers. He was coming off an appendectomy. After week one, that guy's been awesome. In every yeah. big game, he's outplayed everybody. You know, people will talk about and they'll say, you know, that you gotta you gotta go to Arrowhead, you gotta go to Buffalo. The Bengals don't care. The Bengals are saying they've got to play us. Whether that's in Cincy yeah. or Kansas City or Buffalo or on a deserted island, they don't care. That team's got grit, the team doesn't care. And they're going to come at you. I think that this is a great team. I think they're going to go. I think, I think they're going to go to the Super Bowl. I think Joe Burrow is my second choice for MVP. Mahomes is three. That's my one, two, three. Allen, Burrow, Mahomes. Do you have a defensive player of the year for me? I think we're probably going to agree on this. Defensive player. Oh, God. Two names spring to mind. I don't know if I want to call them defensive player of the year. Because um, we were so high on Michael Parsons last year. He's still stuck in my mind as one of the best defensive players this year. Yeah. Um, I want to give credit to Aiden Hutchinson, but I don't think he's worthy of a defensive player yeah. of the year. I like what he's because I and and you know the one thing the one thing we haven't talked about is Detroit because they're out. But yeah. I want to give credit to him for being a part of that turnaround. Like if they, I don't know if he could do that without his defensive play as a rookie. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll do that. We'll touch on that here in a second on the, the fighting Dan Campbell's. Cause I was thinking yeah. of you about watching that game. That's our unofficial team, you know, for the rest of the, oh, I you know, loved it. I loved every second of that game. Aiden Hutchinson played an incredible game. Absolutely. Yes, he, did. Yes, he, he did. was pass rushing. That's why I said he's a superstar. But there's, I would probably go with a D back whose name is escaping me right now. Like which t- I could probably if I if I took the time to look, I could find a couple of D backs would probably be at the top of my list. I'm surprised that the player that I'm going to say is defensive player of the year isn't the one off the top of your head. I think it's Nick Bosa from the 49ers. Uh, yeah, that's see. I needed. To, I hadn't really thought about it, and and I didn't. It that wasn't the first name that jumped to mind, but it should have been. Yeah, I think Nick Bosa. And I, you brought up Micah Parsons earlier. I think he's generationally good, and I think he paid me my second chance. Yeah. So that was your mind. I should have. I should have thought of Bosa right off the bat. The problem is, is that I hardly ever get to see them play. 
Yeah. Oh, he's pretty good. Here. I mean, he, he and his brother are both very, very good. His brother's been hurt all season. Um, yeah. Last thing on this coach of the year. This is one that's very subjective, and you can name a half a dozen guys and not be wrong here. This has been a really good year for good coaching. Tell me who gets yeah. your I mean, there's a lot of names of coaches I think are very deserving of the success they're having right now. And you can look at, you know, teams like Bills, Bengals, Chiefs. You can look at, you know, uh, the Eagles even. And and, and even the Jacksonville Jaguars, what, what he's done in his first year in turning around this team, you could say Doug Peterson is worthy of consideration. That I heard this argument this morning and it made a lot of sense to me because how many coaches are going into the playoffs with their third quarterback, third string quarterback, no less, yeah. and still having the success they're having. Um, so I think the argument is there for Shanahan to, okay. to really take that because you lost your starter early on, you lose your second quarterback and you're still finishing strong with your third stringer pulling in, you know, whoever you can to back him up. And there's still a strong pick for me deep into the playoffs. So that's probably where my head is at right now, because I don't know if you can say the same for any other team to be able to do that. I think you bring up some valid points across the board. I think that you could not, this is going to be a close race. There's going to be a shitload of guys in here. You can talk about Andy Reid. We can talk about, um, you know, all the top teams you can look at. What Zach Taylor's done in, in, in Cincinnati, I don't think he's done that great a job. He mm-hmm. didn't want eight in a row. Same thing talking about with Shanahan. Um, I think you can look at a lot of those top ones, but I'm looking at it a little differently and saying, who's been the best coach and done more with less? And I think it's kind of a two-man race. I, I think it's Brian Dayball from the Giants. I think he's done yeah. a fantastic job. No reason actually that team should be nine seven one and get into the playoffs. Um, the other one to me is I think that Pete Carroll has done his best coaching job oh. this season. That's not a talented <laughs> team, and they're not in the, I in the playoffs. <laughs> they're not a talented team. He's got Geno Smith. To, and it's not like Geno Smith's just horrible because he's not. But he just went to the he's playoffs. He's not, but he's not a franchise either. I mean, I it's hard for me to not do. Oh. Nick Sirianni, the Eagles coach, holy shit, they went 14-3. and three. And, if, and if Jalen Hurts doesn't get hurt, they probably win two more of those games. Hey, yeah, I'm going to one, but the one I'm going to go with, is I'm going with Brian Dayball Giants. I, I can I could definitely see the argument with Brian Dayball. There, there, he's he's definitely doing a great job in New York right now. I, I will not give Pete Carroll the coach. I think he's done a great job. I think you're absolutely right with what he's got. He's done amazing. Yeah. I'm I'm conflicted because it's because of them that Detroit isn't in the playoffs when they certainly have earned it. Yeah. Um, uh, so that's that's where I go with that. The other name that that jumped to mind as we were talking there that I don't I wouldn't give it to him, but I think deserves mentioning is uh, Mike McDaniel. You know, yeah, what I he's done in Miami, 
what the expectations out of Miami. I, I think what he's done there it has been uh, eye opening to say the least of what's possible. Yeah. Um, but I, I I look at the team that not only have it's a you know there's a balance there to me where it's have you done more with less or have you done more in adversity? Yeah. And I think that's where Seattle has, has, has done more with less. Yeah. Um, I think other teams have had adversity and still had success. Um, But in that regard, I think that's where I go with the 49ers. They probably have had the most adversity because they've lost two generals and still are succeeding. That's where I go with that. Not a bad choice. I think all around, not a bad choice. And again, I don't think any of it should be criticized at all. I think this is, there's six. No, seven. no, no. This is not we a can all argue any Dan of them. Campbell I think they've all. We can all argue Dan Campbell or Doug Peterson. I mean, Doug Peterson just took the Jaguars to the, it, to the playoffs. He's in, it, Doug Peterson's in the playoffs when no one had thought he had a chance. And Dan Campbell, I, I, I just want to, I, I just want to shake his hand and thank him for knocking out. Aaron Rodgers and not yeah. going to the play. I just want to thank him for that. Like with nothing to play Everybody. for, but to knock out Green Bay, they did it. And they did it Everybody convincingly. Spend, every football fan should send a dollar to the, the, the Detroit Lions and to Dan Campbell. Use it for whatever you want to use it for. To thank them so we don't have to hear any more bullshit about Aaron Rodgers in this offseason, in this playoffs. Yes. We don't have to hear about, well, you know, they can go on a run. It, thank you, thank you, no. thank you, no. thank you. The fighting Dan Campbell's. And by the way, I'm just down with that dude. That dude, if I could choose a coach in the NFL, he might be the guy I choose. And to consider, consider this. I'd play for that guy. Remember, midseason, they were calling for his head. He was going to be the first coach fired this year. And look where seven. they are now. And they won seven out of eight in the season. If they don't lose the game two weeks ago to the Panthers, they're in the playoffs. They have a winning season. They have a winning season. Detroit has a winning season for the first time. I don't know how long. Thank you, Dan Campbell. Thank you, Dan Campbell. All right. Hey, we're going to have a lot of fun today. We're going to get on to one last thing here. And I know that you and I, this we both talked a little bit about before we came on, our last deal here. Um, someone who was really important to both of us passed away this past week. Yeah. And uh, someone who, from our football experience, the people who don't know, we were high school teammates. We've been friends since high school. And we played at Topeka West High School. And we played for the, I, I'm just going to say the legendary, because the guy is a fucking legend. Oh, we played is. for Frank Walton. And we lost Coach Walton this past week. Um, 81, Coach, been sick for a little while. Um, and if you knew Frank Walton, if you knew anything about him, you knew that he was not just a, not just a football coach. He's what we all kind of aspire to be as coaches and just a, a gentleman and, um, someone who really cared and loved his players and grew so many of us into men. Um, next to my father, I say he's the, one of the, one of the two or three people that have been the most, um, uh, in, in biggest influences in my life. And uh, I had the opportunity when I was coaching, um, he reached out to me. We had to talk a few times. I got to bounce ideas off him, talk about some of the stuff behind the scenes of being a high school coach. And without his wisdom, 
I would never have gotten through some of the things I got through. And he was so great to me, him and his wife, Nancy, both. Um, yeah. So my heart, I, I've cried a lot in the last couple of days about Coach Paul. And um, I know there's a lot of us who are old school Topeka people that, that knew and loved the coach. I'm going to leave it open for you to tell a story. I know you got a, you had a story you want to tell. Uh, and I got a short uh, one know, after that, but I'm going to let you go first here. Just a, just a couple of memories, honestly. It's, it's you know, when I think back about those times, I, I, I have the Rolodex of pregame speeches. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I ever, you know, walked out onto the field without having been at a minimum emotionally charged. And quite frankly, I don't think I ever walked out onto the field without a tear in my eye after hearing his pregame speech. He was one of those motivational coaches that could just got you going before it ever got started. You know, you, you were ready when you walked there were many stories, many locker rooms um, with that rolled up tape towel, pounding it in, in you know, the right yep. hand pounding it in the left and that towel just wrapped up in, in athletic wrapped, tape. Wrapped up in athletic and he, tape. And he, yep. Yeah. Or I, you just can never forget that. And, he, and he, you got all the guys in the locker room. He's pointing at every single one. He's just and giving you that impassioned speech. Um, I had him as a teacher. I think he was a great teacher. I thought he was a great leader. I thought he was a great example. Uh, spaghetti dinners jumped to mind. Uh, you know, not everybody does that. Um, but I also, you know, he's, he's also one of the reasons I got my first job as a, just a little side gig winter job cutting down Christmas trees at a Christmas tree farm. He's the reason I got my first paycheck and filed taxes for the first time, you know, they, but he's, it was his influence on not just you, but everybody else around you. He demand, he, he commanded, I don't say he demanded, he commanded respect. He commanded trust as well. He had faith in you and you had faith in him. You know, and that's kind of, you know, it was, there are few people you meet in this world that can, affect you in such ways and i thought he was not only good at it i thought he was a leader at that yeah um a little background on frank walton you know he's he just uh, was 81 frank's from pennsylvania originally and if you hear the name walton you think of coaches his brother joe was actually the coach of the new york jets in the early 1980s if you'll recall frank would wear when it got cold outside he'd wear his Jets hoodie and you, yeah. you knew something was up if he's wearing his Jets. You knew it was cold if Coach Walton had his Jets hoodie on. Um, and uh, he, uh, his brother ended up being a coach. He ended up coaching at Robert Morris into his 70s after he took mm-hmm. a little break from football and coaching back. Uh, we had Coach Walton as our high school coach, and then he coached at Topeka High School for a couple of years and stayed in the teaching profession for years after. Um, and one of the things that he did was – he helped kids, not just as football kids, but students in college planning and what to do in the next level of your life. You talked about the job and that kind of stuff. He set up what they called the Career Center, Topeka West, and Topeka High School. Uh, that was all him. That was all Frank Walton. And it was his kind of give back. Um, I've got two stories for Coach Walton. I moved to Kansas in the summer of 1991. And I didn't know anybody here in Kansas at the time. I moved here after living in Georgia for a year and you know, being from Louisiana. I was just, here I am, this fat Southern kid, you know, and 
I go and they introduce me. I'm about to become a sophomore and they're introducing me to the football coach at the high school. I grew up in the South. Football is everything. And I had played the previous year. And, you know, so I wasn't new, it wasn't new to me. You know, I was never a good player. I mean, hell, you were a better player than I am. Um, a much better player than I was. Uh, but I remember walking in and seeing this short, stocky Italian guy with a big fucking nose. And I'd never met anybody like him. And he made this big deal. He's like, look at this guy. He's got big legs, this and that. And he was making it because I have, you know me, you and I both have got huge legs. And he was like, we can, we can work with you. We can get you going. And I was like, all right, cool. Let's do this. And just that first opinion, it was, you could see this enthusiasm that I'd never seen before mm-hmm. in the sports setting for me, for, for someone being excited for me to play. I was really, that was great, um, especially in football that I'd only played twice. I played my freshman and eighth grade years, but I hadn't played before that. And I was a group of baseball kids. So, I mean, it was a little different uh, to go into a contact sport like football. But then um, before my senior year of high school, and you know this, I don't really talk about this. Um, I couldn't play my senior year. There was some eligibility issues and miscommunications, whatever it was. When it was figured out the end of my junior year, this was going to happen. Administration at the school decided the best person to talk to Brian about this is Frank Wall. And he told coach. Coach came to me and pulled me aside and we talked about it. And I was angry. And he says, I'll do everything I can for you. I understand it's not fair and it's not right. But I want you to know that you are more than just a football player. You're a you're an amazing young man. You're someone who we love dearly. And you have these other talents. And he was the first person to really point that out. Skip forward 15 years later, almost 20 years later, I am coaching at Veritas, Veritas uh, Christian Academy in Lawrence, Kansas. I'm an assistant coach with Blake Mudd there for a couple of years. And after being there for about two years, three years, I become the head coach. And I sent a message to Coach Walton saying, hey, um, can I pick your brain sometime about something? I, here's what's going on. And he said, I'm so glad you reached out. I heard you're the new coach at Veritas. I love Veritas. Turns out when his daughter-in-law, um, one of the boys' wives worked at mm-hmm. Veritas. Yeah. Um, I guess he'd even said some kind things to certain people to make sure I got that job. Nice. And I didn't know this at the time. So I, I get to go over to Coach's house, and we just talked football. And, and not just football, but we talked about philosophies, and it really helped me get this philosophy that I, I – I, I, my coaching philosophy is really simple. It's that I don't coach to try to win games. I try to coach at that level, high school. I want to coach each player to be the best player they could possibly be. Identify what that person's ceiling is and help them get as much of it as possible. Because then in every part of their life moving forward, they'll say, well, I have abilities. Because I didn't know I had abilities. But Frank Mm -hmm. Walton taught me I did. 
And I always say my favorite player I ever coached was not my best players. It was the young man who did everything he could to be the best player he could be. And he still wasn't very good, but he gave every bit of effort he could every single day and with a smile on his face. And I, that goes back to Frank. I'm not a great pregame speech guy. Certainly not his love. I've given one really good one. And this was my second week as the head coach at Veritas. We had <laughs> lost our first game 16 to 12. And an eight-man ball, that is a defensive struggle. Um, at the end, shaking hands with the coach and the cross teams. And this is the team that was the fit. They were the state runner-ups the year before, beat us real badly the year before. And I'm talking to him after the game, and I say, he says, you've got a really good team there. And I said, I think we're either one of the best three teams in our league or one of the worst three. I'm not sure which one yet. He says, you're definitely one of the best. <laughs> but next week, we got to go out to Colby, Kansas and play a team. They're the defending state champions. They beat the team that we just lost to. They beat them at the end of last season by 50. Oof. And we're working hard all week. And I'm telling these players, and, and these kids were starting to get it. They didn't totally have. And we're in a we're in a locker. It's not even a locker room. It was like basically a classroom that had some lockers <laughs> in it. And Frank came to me in my head, and I said, "And you and you've heard these words. Don't waste it." Yeah. Every week, every practice. Every week, so that don't waste it. Don't waste the opportunity that's in front of you today. So I'm going in there to a bunch of kids who are 16, 17 years old. And I said, look, guys, you're not going to understand this today. But one day you're going to be my age. You're going to be in your time in my late 30s. I said, you, you're going to be my age. And you're going to go back to your 10-year, your 20-year high school reunion. And you're going to talk about these games. And you're going to have the opportunity at that reunion to talk about Wow, we, we 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 played that team really hard. Remember how good they were? And we went blow for blow with them. I said, or you can flat out say, fuck it. We have come this far. And they may be the defending champ, but we're going to kick their ass today. This is your opportunity. Don't waste it. I look around at all the kids. I mean, they're tuned in. I've been around this team for three years, but I've never seen them tuned in like this. We go out, first possession, we kick off. They, we all onside kick. We all kicked every time. We all onside kick. They recovered. They go downfield to score. They get a two-point conversion. It's eight nothing. Kick off to us. We scored the next 58 points. They didn't score again the rest of the game. We scored 58 in a row to where they had to use the mercy rule in the fourth quarter. We beat the defending champs 58 to 8. And when I walked in the locker room, one of the assistant coaches comes over to me. He says, speech. That got him over the top. I don't know how you pulled that one off. And I said, I, I, I felt Frank Walton inside of me. Felt him in my heart. I felt him in my head, and 
there's been a lot of things in life that I wouldn't have had success with if I didn't have those basic skills that not only he took time in football to teach me, but as a student assistant of his in a classroom, just taking extra time to chat with me about things because I was important to him, as all of us were. Yeah. I miss Coach. And I'm sorry to see him go, but I love that he was there with his family, his wife, his children, who meant everything to him. And uh, couldn't be happier that a, a good man who passes passed almost on his own terms as well. We should he all be so lucky. Legacy, not a, yeah. His legacy is not just his children and his grandchildren and his family. It's generational. It's, I mean, we're, we're in our mid-40s. We both just had birthdays, and we're still influenced by the lessons that he taught us yeah. three, two to three decades ago, remembering them like they were yesterday. Yeah. Because his influence was not, let's win football. It was, let's be better people and win across the board. And if you were ever coached by him, you know, I remember spaghetti dinner at his place and just seeing pictures of his sons, game balls from years of football he had been had played and coached and and just kind of it wasn't it was like it, unlike a museum, it was like living, it was breathing, it was real, you know. It wasn't like don't touch this. It was look at all of this history. Yeah. And it felt vibrant. It was alive uh, as as football and and I think if you ever played for him, you were you were influenced by him. You were affected by him, and um, and I still I, I I remember it like it was yesterday. Yeah. It's been thirty years almost, and if you were ever a player that played for him, a student in his class, or just someone that he might have taken a liking to, for whatever reason, you were his family. And I can't think of a better compliment than that. I just, he's just, he was a gentleman in every which way. And I'm so glad I got to reconnect a couple times with him. We, we saw him just before COVID was the last time I saw him you know, at his golf tournament. Yeah, me too. We, were with him. we played on the same team that day. Yeah, we, just, we, played that, we played that together, yeah. And just to see him that day again and to be able to hug him and to say, hey, coach, I love you. So um, Frank Walton. Uh, rest in peace, uh, Nancy, and all the kids. We're in. We're in our, you're in our thoughts and prayers, and uh, we just wanted to come out and say this at the end. Uh, we're going to end up. We're going to end it on this. But uh, thank you to Coach and uh, Uncle Rico. Thank you to you. Thanks for coming in today. And to you as well. Uh, always yeah. a pleasure, and uh, and a touching. This one is special. This one's While we end up here, I want to thank Tyler Jones. I want to thank everybody at Studio Soapbox for all they do behind the scenes. Uh, most importantly, thank you to you, the listener. And don't forget to rate us and review us. Brand new year, we can use all the ratings we can get. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast, we appreciate every five-star review. Uh, until the point five this weekend, I'm Coach Bo, Brian O'Connor. That's Uncle Rico, Ricardo Germolini. Have a great week, everybody. Remember your time tokens are not fun. Thank you.